This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball. He's Toby. I'm Grant. We are happy to be with you. Toby, you are out and about. You are on the road, but making some time for us as you're on a little vacation trip this summer. How are you? Pretty good. Yeah, I'm out in uh, Wisconsin, so I'm going to catch a Brewers game at some point while I'm out here. I think Friday I'm going down to the friendly confines of Wrigley Field for the first time, so pretty excited about that. You even went to some Indy League baseball already. Is this a baseball trip, or are you just crowbarring as much of it in as you can? No, just seeing some uh, friends and going to a couple weddings, but hitting baseball along the way can't you know leave that out. You got to enjoy your time at least. So you, you take the trip. I will say when you're going away for weddings, it's tough because you're flying, but yet you got the suit bag. So do you have to re-iron and do all that stuff when you get there? Did you travel with it hanging in the airplane? What'd you do? See, these are pretty relaxed weddings, so you can go jeans or khakis and a polo, thankfully. Oh, so. for a wedding? Yeah, nice and relaxed. That's a Midwest thing, I guess. I haven't been to any of those. <laughs> yeah, no, I enjoy it. So I don't have to bring a suit or anything, so it's been good. Well, that's even better. All right, so independent league baseball. What, what report can you give us? Where'd you go? What was the experience like? It was called the U.S. PBL. It's somewhere in Michigan, somewhere north of Detroit, and they played two six-inning games. It was a little doubleheader Saturday, I guess it was, and it was fun. I mean, I learned that I cannot throw a baseball very hard. I throw like a football, so I grew up throwing footballs. I cannot throw a baseball very hard at all. So that's one thing I learned, but it was fun. You, I guess. you did the thing I'm guessing where you threw and they clock you and tell you what your velo is. Yeah. And yeah. you touched 90 only once, right? Uh, only once, only once I was sitting mid eighties. Okay. That'll do. But you, uh, you and Paolo Espino both don't worry. <laughs> but I guess Joey Weimer was in this league at one point or another, Randy Dobnek of the twins. So pretty cool to see some of these guys and hopefully they can get their careers off the ground and get into the majors at some point. I like Indie League Baseball. Did we eat anything at the ballpark? There were a ton of food options. I had been craving hot dogs all day, so got some hot dogs, got a walking taco. I wish they would have had soft serve ice cream. That was the one thing that I was dying for. They didn't have. I didn't settle for Dippin' Dots. One, the line was too long, and I'm not a Dippin' Dots guy. Well, then you fit in well on this podcast. Overrated. <laughs> Overrated. I mean, look, you can't call something the, you know, the blank of the future for 30 years. Like if it hasn't happened, it's just not going to take hold. They've been yeah. calling Dippin' Dots the ice cream of the future since 2002 or whatever. It's not happening. Okay, And they ice have a cream. stranglehold on small league baseball. They do. That's true. But ice cream is the ice cream of the future because it is so good. But, uh, well, safe travels. We'll get you back into D.C. here soon enough and get you back to Nats Park. But in the meantime, let's talk about the Nationals. 26 and 38. The losses were stockpiling. They did avoid a sweep at the hands of the Atlanta Braves on Sunday, which was much needed. We are recording this podcast on Tuesday morning as they get ready for their road series in Houston against the Astros. I want to revisit you know, the World Series trip I took out there at one point. But losers of seven of 10 now. Uh, they are 13 back in the division, seven back in the wild card. A regression has kind of taken place if you look at run differential and record here recently where there was a, a several-week stretch where they went almost six, seven weeks, it felt like, 
where, you know, they were playing 500 ball and their run margin was basically even. Uh, and they came crashing back down to earth a little bit here. Uh, just didn't perform to the level over the last couple of weeks that they had previously. Any signs for concern for you? Um, I mean, we're still concerned about the bullpen. I mean, and that's been the case for, I would say, what, the last month or so where the bullpen just continues to struggle. But they're in these baseball games. And, again, as crazy as that sound, if you're trying to just, you know, look for moral victories and you're looking for little wins this season, they're competitive. Even though they've lost a lot of these games, they're competitive. You look at the Braves series, they're competitive in most of those games. They win one of those games, but they're competitive. And you couldn't always say that last season. So as much as it's frustrating to see them lose, you know, you have a lead in game one of the Braves series. You blow it because of the bullpen. You win the third game of the series. So it felt good to see them at least compete with the Braves. You'd love to see them win. Maybe a little frustrating that JoJo hasn't been able to have a really good start in a while, it seems like. Another one where it's solid outing, but he's just battling the whole time. Mackenzie Gore, I think at some point he was due for an outing like this, especially having now seen the Braves a couple of times. So they're a little more accustomed to him. I think we'll see maybe a couple more of these outings when teams that are going to see him for the second or third time get to kind of understand what his stuff is. But I think he's going to get it figured out again. I think overall the encouraging sign is that the team is playing competitive baseball, but frustrating they're not able to win some of these ball games. Yeah, and to your point, you know, they were in L.A. and they lost the first two games of that series. And what I can't have is, you know, you lose nine to three and you're just not in the ball game, so to speak to the Dodgers at one point, but the first two games of that series, you know, it's an 0 and two and, and you're, it's a 15 to four run differential. They come back. They, they, we talked about it on the pod. They got all the home runs from the kids. Garcia went deep and Abrams hit a couple and or Ruiz hit a couple rather and Abrams hit one and they scored 10 runs and they beat the Dodgers on the final day of May. Then they take on the Phillies and they win an eight, seven game. That was really entertaining. They lost a close game, nip and tuck to Philadelphia by a couple runs. But then you lose the 11-3 game to Philadelphia on Sunday a week ago. You know, that stings. The Diamondbacks seem like a buzzsaw right now. Corbin Carroll's on his way, it would appear, to the NL Rookie of the Year. They come into Nats Park. They hang 10 on the Nats in the first game of the series. Then they handled them 6-2. to two. And then luckily, because of the, the terrible air that we were dealing with, you know, there was no third game of that series. So they dropped two in a row there. That's four out of five. And then the Braves series begins, and you lose back-to-back. But to your credit and to your point, I mean, those Braves games were competitive. It was a 3-2 loss, a 6-4 loss. You're in those games. But now it's 6 out of 7 before you're able to you know, beat Atlanta 6-2. to two. So you turn the page to the Astros. You hope to kind of get your footing. They're coming back to Nats Park after that to take on the Marlins, who have been really good, who are pitching well. Then the Cardinals are in town before they're back out west to take on the Diamondbacks. I should say they, they have the makeup against the Diamondbacks. Then they're back out west to take on the Padres and the Mariners. So the schedule doesn't really lighten up here. I mean, this is a really aggressive, difficult portion of their schedule in terms of playing contenders. The Astros will be a playoff team. The Marlins look like a playoff team. I know the Cardinals right now are a bottom feeder in the central, but if you let me make a bet on the Cardinals to win the division right now in a bad division, I might do that. Uh, San Diego, I still think's a playoff team. I picked the Mariners to get to the World Series. Doesn't look great right now, but I could definitely see them getting into the playoffs. You know, all coming up here on their schedule. So uh, it just it doesn't let up here as, as they need to really start, I would say more than anything else, hitting the ball again and driving the baseball. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a difficult stretch. This whole month, like you said, you laid out all the teams, and even the teams that have bad records, you thought were going to be good baseball teams this year, and maybe they look at the Nationals as a way to springboard their season into the right direction. So hopefully they can get it together. But I think it's a, you know, it's a multitude of things. You need the starting pitching to give you a little bit more length. You think of JoJo, you think of Mackenzie Gore, you think of some of these guys, even Trevor Williams, a solid outing. You'd like to see him go maybe a little bit longer. But overall, I think it's just maybe one facet of the game is just leaving them. It seems like every night, whether it's the bats don't show up, whether it's the starting pitching struggling, the bullpen struggled. So if they can just put some of this stuff back together, like we saw a little bit earlier in the season, again, I think maybe what happened was they had a good hot stretch and we kind of got our expectations up and maybe this is a little bit more of who they really are, but you know, good for them for at least giving us a little bit of hope that this team can be more competitive and can win baseball games. So who's hot and who's not, we'll start at the plate here. I want to use a two week sample. I think that's enough to kind of get your bearings for something legitimate in terms of sample size. So we're going to go over the last 15 days, which even still for the nationals with days off and things is only right around 10 baseball games, weirdly enough. Uh, But so this is the last 10 games. The team has played. Obviously not everyone has played in all 10, but as far as who's hot, Joey Manessis in his last 10 games is 14 for 37 at the plate. That's a 378 batting average with a 925 OPS. So I know that most of the year we've been a little frustrated by the fact that it's a lot of singles. It's a lot of, you know, weaker contact compared to last year when he was driving the baseball so well, but a 925 ops is all-star caliber and pretty elite year over the last two weeks. In fact, if you look at the last 30 games, 30 games, a month of baseball, I guess, you know, six of the season, so to speak, Joey Manessis is hitting 350. Now he's only got one homer in that time, but his OPS is up near 900, you know, way up over 875 or so. So uh, he he is getting on base. He is hitting more doubles, which has helped the slug and the OPS overall. For the season, his average is up to almost 310 at this point. I mean, it's hard to be frustrated anymore by the, yeah, the OPS is only 750. And like, if you're, you're batting 307 in today's baseball, you know, you would think your OPS will be much closer or over 800. That's not the case, but, How much more can you ask for a 31-year-old who didn't get to the big leagues before last year, who hit about 325, and everyone kind of said, there's no way he'll repeat last season. And obviously, the power is way down, 930 OPS last year. But the guy's hitting 310, and over 30 game samples hitting 350, and he's been by far their best player at the plate over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I have a couple of questions with Joey Manessis. One, if this guy could hit 300 at the major league level, why was he in the minors for so long? I understand, you know, he's not been able to repeat what he did last season where he's hitting the ball out of the ballpark and really was playing like at an MVP type caliber for that little stretch that he played with the Nationals last year. But why did it take him so long to get to the big leagues? And now you look at him and where did the power go? And I understand he's gotten some more extra base hits over the last couple of weeks and you know, that OPS over the last two weeks doesn't look too, too bad. But overall, this season, it just seemed like he's been a very singles-oriented hitter, which isn't a bad thing. You know, he's getting on base. He's hitting the ball. So, like you said, his batting average is very high up there in the 300s, which there really aren't many Nationals even close to that. So, good for him. But I'd love to see some of that power return because he was supposed to be the power in this lineup. You know, we've talked about Dominic Smith before, and it was awesome to see him hit a home run for what seems like the first time in forever in the Atlanta series. But 
someone has to provide the power. And we talked with Dom Smith, and he's not really a power guy, but you expected him to maybe be. Joey Manessis was really your big power threat in this lineup, and it just hasn't come through. It's good to see him hitting the ball. It's good to see him getting a little more extra base hits in here. So I, I think he can still find some of that because, you know, a 300 hitter, you, you'll take that. But you'd love to see maybe even just lower the batting average just a little bit and give us a little bit more power. So I think that he's got it in him still. I don't know if it's – we've talked about this with Trey Turner, with the the World Baseball Classic kind of throw you off a little bit. I don't know if it maybe threw off some of his power stroke because he struggled early, but – We'll see. I think that he can still bring some of that power back to the Nats lineup at some point this season. Yeah, there's going to be a week, I would think, where he hits three or four home runs over seven or eight days or something. And that'll get him back to a pace where maybe he hits, you know, 14 or 15 this year, if I had to guess. But coming into the year, I think the hope was, you know, like you said, they're going to be light on power as a team. So if Manessis could hit you 20, you know, I think people mislabeled Dom Smith, frankly, because he's a first baseman. He's never hit for power. I remember covering him in his draft. Uh, the, the talk was that he's this exceptional athlete, terrific defensive first baseman, which is a profile at a high school you rarely see drafted in the first round, let alone the top 15. But, like, he's a 10 to 12 home run guy maybe. But the problem is he's not on pace for that either, right? I mean, he's got two home runs. Manessis has two home runs. And to collectively, you kind of hoped maybe those two guys could hit, I don't know, upwards of 30 or 35 home runs. And they're on pace right now for 12 to 15 or something. So therein lies part of the problem with the lack of power. But I do just want to acknowledge that the at-bats are good. Manessis is, I mean, I would have taken well under the batting average that he has right now. And frankly, I would have probably taken maybe around the OPS he has. But I just think it's still a really good story to see what this guy has done in his two seasons, to your point, after never having gotten a shot. Uh, Another player to call attention to. Last 10 games for the Nats, and he's played in all 10 of them is Luis Garcia, 13 for 42 at the plate. That's a 310 average. He's hit two home runs over the last 10 games for the club, which is tied for second behind only uh, Kbert Ruiz during that time. He's slugging 500. I mean, it's a lot of extra base hits. He's not drawing any walks, so the on-base percentage, frankly, is not high. But an 800 OPS will work at second base. I mean, that that's going to play for him. He's obviously been really good for the majority of this season defensively so his average right now is up to 276 his ops is on the right side of 700 for the first time in a while some encouraging signs here for Luis Garcia who went four for 11 in that brave series and drove in a couple runs I've been very encouraged with what I've seen from Luis Garcia this season he's been so much better at the plate in terms of approach he's not striking out as much and just his whole season has been a really big bounce back for him after last year you had the defensive issues and he seemed to be much better defensively and then at the plate I just love the way that he's going about things and I think that he's someone that you can depend on going forward as a bat whether you want him to stick at second base or not and try to play that position which I think he's done okay I don't know that it's he's maybe come back a little bit sometimes his throws are a little bit wacky but I think overall when you look at what he's been able to do at the plate you can look at him going forward as a part of this baseball team and you're right. I mean, I, I think that his power, I think he can still tap into. He's lowered the strikeout percentage. You maybe like to see him walk a little bit more, but that's not really his game. This is a guy that was a free swinger last year, struck out a lot. Now he's kind of 
tame that down a little bit. I've been really encouraged with what we've seen from Luis Garcia this last couple weeks and especially this season. I'm with you. I mean, the strikeout rate specifically, which you highlighted. But if you look at, you know, last year, he, he walked 11 times all season. He just, he didn't walk. I mean, that was in 360 at bats. He's only walked 13 times this year. He still doesn't walk, but in 225 at bats. So still, you know, 130 some ABs away from where he was last year. And he's got more walks. Um, the strikeout rate, only 31 Ks for Luis Garcia uh, to, to go with the 13 walks is down. Now he's hitting basically the exact same batting average, the exact same OPS as a year ago. He gets there differently. His on base is a tick up. His slug is down way fewer doubles. Uh, I think he's going to hit more home runs this year than he did last year. He's already got five hit seven in, in basically 36 uh, more games. He had two more home runs last year. But a lot more doubles, interestingly. So we'll see at the end of the year, you know, where the fader went up and down on him. But I'll be curious to see if, if you know, there was clearly a correction where they wanted him to make more contact, swing and miss a little less, maybe have better at bats. You know, is there a middle ground where it's okay to strike out a little bit more and and deliver more of that power? Because he, we saw it early in his career, hit the ball into the second deck or, or close to it at Nats Park. I'll be curious to see like where they ultimately decide they want him to be offensively, but he's only 23 and he's become a bat to ball guy and, and a tough out, frankly. Uh, and, and that's a really, really encouraging good thing. Uh, other players in this who's hot column. So only seven games played in the Nats last 10 games, but K Ruiz is eight for his last 26 with five runs scored. Uh, he's hitting 308 with a 1071 OPS during that time. And I believe that catches that two homer game that I referenced uh, against the Dodgers. He's got seven home runs on the season. You know, it's interesting. His batting average is only 235, and he is notoriously for a couple of years now been one of these guys where the expected batting average is way higher than the average. And you wonder when that gets corrected or or if that's just going to be something that there's something about how he operates that leads to that. I, I got to do more digging on that. But having said that, his average down about 15 points from last year. His OPS is actually up. The slug is up. He's hitting a lot more home runs. Last year in 112 games, he hit seven homers. He's done that in 52 games this year. Uh, that's a very good sign. His strikeouts are way down. And the most incredible thing about Kbert, his 15 walks and 17 strikeouts. Like, there is like 2% of big leaguers. I'm just throwing a number out, but it's something like that. You know, some minute number of players have the same number of walks and strikeouts. And he's one of those guys through 200 at-bats. It's really incredible. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's really odd how his expected batting average is always so high and his batting average in general, his real batting average is not anywhere close to it. To your point with the expected batting average this year, it's 289 and that's in the top 9% of the league. And yet he's batting 235. So I don't know what the disconnect is there, but obviously the analytics really like him and like his swing. And hopefully at some point we can see that turn into results on the actual baseball field. But it was good to see him tap into that power a little bit in the Dodgers series. 
I'm a little concerned with him behind the plate at this point. I think throwing out some runners is a little concerning to me. But overall at the plate, I'm encouraged by what he's done, and he's someone that's going to be with the Nationals for a long time. He's never going to be an MVP-type bat. You know, the, the hard part was when he's coming up through the minor league system, he, it's one and two in terms of catchers with him and Adley Rutschman. And you look at what's going on with Adley Rutschman, it's like, what happened to Kabert? Well, Kabert was never that guy. You know, he, he's a good player, and I think he's going to be a solid bat for this organization for a long time. You'd like to see him hit for some more home runs, especially from the right side. But I think he's still figuring it out. I think he'll get to that point at some point. And the, the main thing for me that's concerning is the fact that so many guys are stealing on him. And it seems like teams are really taking advantage of that now. So at some point, you'd like to see him work on his throwing arm from behind the plate. But overall, I've been encouraged by what I've seen from Kaber. Yeah, via baseball savant numbers. And I always issue the cautionary tale that I think defensive metrics are you know, org to org, every team does their own numbers. Uh, there's no great way. It's not like offense where you can grade everything out based on, you know, one set of numbers. But I, I just like the information. Uh, they've got Ruiz as fourth percentile in pop time. And I would think that is authentic. Like, there's only so many ways to measure. You're, you're measuring uh, a pop time, which is, you know, from the ball hitting the mid to, to getting the ball down to second base. You know, 96 out of every 100 catchers are doing it faster than him. And you add that, as you said, to some of the stolen base numbers, not ideal. I think framing numbers uh, give and take a little more. Like, I'm not as convinced that everyone's framing metrics are great. They've got him 13th percentile at Baseball Savant. So, yeah, some of the catching stuff, to your point this year, is maybe not where you'd like it to be. Um, not enough sample anywhere else, really, to, to say anybody else is hot. I will give Stone Garrett some credit. Uh, he doesn't get to play a lot in his last nine games. He's four for 12 at the plate with a couple of homers, including a grand slam that he hit in the first inning against Arizona. Uh, offensively, though, and here's been the problem. Dominic Smith has completely cooled off. He's six for his last 37, hitting 162. Jamer Candelario, at some point, you knew this was going to happen because he was hitting like 500 for four weeks or whatever it was. Uh, he's six for his last 32. That's a 188 batting average. Uh, C.J. Abrams is four for his last 31 at the plate with just one extra base hit. That's a 129 average, and over the last 10 games, he's played eight of them. That's a 414 OPS. I mean, a real rough stretch here for Abrams, who's got no walks and seven strikeouts in those 31 at-bats. Lane Thomas, who is carrying the team for the majority of May, he was one of the best players in the National League in the month of May. Uh, he's 10 for his last 41. Not awful, but, you know, 244 average when you had been hitting around 300. OPS is now dipped down to 718 when he was up closer to 850, 860 at one point. Um, he's got, you know, just one home run now over the last couple of weeks. He had been crushing the ball throughout May. So he's crashed back down to earth. I think some of those things have led to this offense you know, shriveling back up a little bit. Well, and Jamer Candelario is interesting. You mentioned him. He had a hot stretch early. He played really well early. And then he already had a down stretch. And then he got hot again, like scorching hot. And he's going through another down stretch again. So it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back. CJ's a little concerning. You'd like to see him be a little more consistent. I mean, it, it's so tough with CJ Abrams right now because you have to balance the he's going through the big leagues for really the first whole season where he's kind of learning everything. He's still super young, but at the same point, he's at the major league level. So you need to see him produce. So it's interesting with all these guys. Lane Thomas, I don't think I'm all that worried about him. I mean, he was so hot during the month of May. I think, you know, gets back down to maybe 
a little more of what we've seen from Lane Thomas. But I think the big thing for Lane is he's had extended down stretches as well as some really good hot stretches, but more so the down stretches get pretty bad at times. And I'm hoping that with what he was talking about at the beginning of the month of May, where some of the home runs started to return and he started to get things going, I'm hoping maybe they found an approach with him that allows him to be more consistent overall and still have those hot streaks, but maybe not the extended down streaks. So I'm interested to see there. And Dominic Smith, like you mentioned, it's tough with him because if he's not getting singles, his defense is good, no doubt about it. But at some point, it's not like he's playing shortstop. It's not like he's playing center field. Like you need a guy at first base to do something. It was cool to see him hit a home run. 444 feet and you're like if you've got that in there how do you not hit more but it it, it's tough with Dominic Smith if he's not getting singles or just getting on base period then it's really tough to keep him in the lineup yeah so I guess on the veterans first I think it's going to be tough to get much for Dom Smith you know unless someone really just wants a you know needs a massive defensive upgrade at first base there's just not a lot of value there Uh, but I do think Lane Thomas on the trade block and in a light year, because there's not a lot that's going to be available, it doesn't seem like. And especially in the outfield market, I think you could do okay on a return for him. You're not getting a top prospect for any of your guys, obviously. You knew that coming into the season. But I think you could get a, a decent you know, mid-level type player um, for Lane Thomas, perhaps, if, if he's hitting well. And, and by that, I mean like somebody's 15th, 18th best prospect, you know, like they did the year where they got a bunch of you know the Riley Adams types from teams. So I, I think you could add to your system if you moved him. I would look to add a couple of young arms. That's what always what I would try to do is like, you know, find a ball arms with high strikeout rates and firm velocities that you like and and see if you can, you know, get a, a lottery ticket on one of those guys. Uh, I do think Jamer Candelaria would have value as well. Um, again, you're not going to break the bank. You're not going to do much. I think Thomas probably has the most value of the vets, but he's a guy that I would be interested in flipping and seeing what I could get. Manessis, same kind of deal. Maybe a team you know, likes the fact that he's hitting for average. They need a DH. Uh, I think of a team like the Texas Rangers who are awesome offensively, but don't have a DH. Then you slot another 300 hitter into that lineup. That's already one of the best in baseball. You know, maybe you think in the the summer heat out there, he starts driving the ball a little more uh, in some of their West coast trips. I'm, I'm not sure what the logic would be, but you know, I think you could try to flip a couple of those veterans based on some of the seasons that they're having Uh, Smith. I'm, I'm not so sure about. But Abrams is kind of who I want to talk about because he matters more to this org. You know, his OPS is up 45 points from last year, so that is encouraging. His power is way up. I mean, he played 90 games and had almost 300 at-bats where he hit just two homers last year, and that was really discouraging to me. And he's on a pace basically now uh, if he played in 162 games this year where he might hit close to 20 home runs. I I think it would be upwards of 17, 18 homers. Like, if you got him to a point where he's an 18-homer 70-some RBI, you know, 25-steal guy who played good defense at short. That's an excellent player on a first-division team. And I think that that is very possible. I think we're seeing the starter kit for that. Um, but the defense has obviously been abysmal, largely. Um, and I'm, I'm not – I can't say I'm not concerned, but I'm, I don't think this is what it's going to be. I, I think this is all part of the process. But he's the worst at his position in terms of outs versus average. Um, if you look at arm strength, he grades out in the 45th percentile there, even though you know we've always heard and thought he has a really good arm. Um, offensively, there's a couple of things that, that uh, I'd like to see him 
do better as this year goes along. Obviously, hitting where he is right now at 225 isn't probably good enough. I don't care a ton about batting average, but if you're hitting 220, I need it to, to come with some pop uh, that he doesn't necessarily have. But, you know, look, six home runs is, is a good number, I think, for him right now. He should have more than nine doubles. Like, with his speed, anything that's not directly at an outfielder, it should be a threat to be a double. Uh, to only have nine right now is pretty stunning. And most of his have been kind of laced down the line into the corner. Uh, he's got two triples. You know, to me, I'd like to see 15, 17 doubles right now. You know, four or five triples. And even if he only had five or six home runs, now your slug is well over 400. Your OPS is up over 700. It's a very different season. On top of that, he's been pretty much a Deadpool hitter for the most part. Like, if you look at his spray chart, he has three doubles that have been kind of tucked right down the, the left field line as a left-handed hitter. But otherwise, into the outfield. So this is non-infield hits, you know, either bunts or, or slap hits into the infield where fielders couldn't come on and make a play. There's been basically like three hits into the outfield left of center for him this year, like true hits to left field. Uh, there have been a couple dead center, including all the way to the fence, you know, for a, a double off the wall. But it's mostly in all of his power, especially, is pull side right. And I expect that for the home runs. But I, I just think... You know, if he could get to a point where he's spraying the ball a little better, he's hitting the ball where it's coming from to center field, the approach. You know, when you got pitches on the outside corner, you're just serving them into left. There's no reason he can't do some of that stuff. And I don't think that's a huge ask for a guy with his skill set. So I want to point out something because I think it was interesting. Just curiosity allowed me to look this up, and it really opened my eyes a little bit. He's now played 148 games at the major league level. How many games do you think he played the minors? Oh, it's less than that. Uh, he played, I'll say, 100. Yeah, 114. For context, Brady House is going to play his 99th game the next time he takes the field. James Wood is going to play his 157th the next time he takes the field. C.J. Abrams is still really, in a lot of ways, a minor league type guy. He probably should still be or at least last year should have still been playing in the minor leagues. This guy hasn't had a lot of time. So I, I agree with all of your points, and there's plenty to take away from there. But at the same point, you have to look at it from the other side and realize this guy's still young. You know, it's been discouraging seeing some of the things, but you're not meant to learn at the major league level. I think about your interview on Grant and Danny with Ryan Zimmerman before the season. He's like, you're not meant to learn at the major league level. And really, that's what C.J. Abrams is doing right now. And so the throwing arm is concerning. But if you want to look at the positive side, his range is incredible. And so hopefully if you can work on some of those things, you can get that fixed to see his power stroke improve a little bit. Yes, you'd like to see more average. Yes, you'd like to see more of the extra base hits like you were saying. But I think overall what you're seeing from C.J. Abrams is growing pains and it's tough to watch at the major league level because you expect results. I mean, that's what this business is all about, results. But he's developing. You hope that he can learn from the stuff that he's gone through these last two years and parlay it into a successful, long, big league career, especially with the Nationals. But I guess we'll see. But again, 114 minor league baseball games compared to 148 now at the major league level, that's not something you see with a guy unless it's a guy like that that is just a transcendent talent and no offense to CJ but we've seen so far that he's probably not that guy you know he's a good ball player but he's probably not going to be you know some superstar that we can trade like a Juan Soto down the, down the line 
Yeah, I mean, look, guys like Jared Kelnick happened too, to your point, where maybe they get there too soon and it takes a couple of years and, you know, they're just scuffling and trying to find their way and everyone essentially gives up on them. And and I'm not saying we're there with C.J. Abrams at all, for the record. I mean, he's so young. I always reference he was the eighth youngest player in baseball this year. But my point with Kelnick is Jared Kelnick's 23. Like, he was in the majors at 21, 22, and this year at 23. And everyone just kind of decided when he hit, you know, sub 200 his first couple seasons, well, this guy stinks. And he did 21 homers at the big leagues as a 22-year-old over two seasons. And now this year he's on a pace for, you know, well over 20 home runs. And he's got an OPS over 800. And he's, you know, been really good for the most part for the Mariners. So I just think we're in such a reactionary, like, give it to me right now. Everything in a microwave, nothing in a crockpot mode. Uh, and, and here in Washington, we've been spoiled. Bryce Harper came up as a teenager, killed it. Juan Soto came up as a teenager, unbelievable. Strasburg pitched like three hours in the minors after he was drafted, uh, pitched like a Cy Young when he got here. So I just think maybe we're a little out of whack with our expectations. And and while I, I provide all the context I did with Abrams and some of the disappointments of his season, uh, it does not mean I'm, I'm ready to give up at all. To, to clarify, I, I still think, you know, there's a lot of encouraging signs and, and he's going to be, a really important piece for them. One of the five guys they got back in that deal, and he and Gore already are showing to me that that trade was well worth it uh, with James Wood, who's just unbelievable in the minor leagues, who we talk about almost every week on the pod.